We're here with Mike Mountain, New Bedford legend of uh, Mike Mountain and of uh, the Trap House and many other things in New Bedford and beyond. How's it going, Mike? What's up, guys? Hey, not too much. How hey, you Mike. doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, you're doing all right now that we're talking with Mike Mountain. Yeah, right. <laughs> doing even better. Yeah, doing even better. So, so Mike. Come on. Yeah. We, we, all right. So, let's let's backtrack a little. We met you about five or so years ago, I'd say. Um, yeah. And, but the legend of Mike Mountain, even though so. You just on YouTube, there's an amazing album, Mike Mountain, that just came out. But we, what we like to usually do sometimes is go back a little bit further for people who, who might just be getting into this kind of thing. And well, we can go really far back. How, how did you get introduced? So, you know, clearly you've done some stuff in the musical realm. How did you get introduced to music, maybe as a youngster? Um, yeah, um, basically as a kid in high school, whatever, I was into writing a lot. I, I listened to music, of course, but I was, my interest was, um, was writing poetry and stuff like that. Um, and that's how I, I got into lyrics and, and music through that mostly. But my first love was poetry, actually. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then name any uh, any poets that you were that you were reading back then. I was into like the beat poets and everything. Allen Ginsberg, um, Jack Kerouac. Right. I was really into a guy named Kenneth Patchen, who was a little bit before those guys, but was similar. He was one of the first people to um, do spoken word to, with jazz musicians. And I was really into him. Um, the first lyricist musically I was into, I, I liked Bob Dylan as a kid. My father had the record um, Highway 61 Revisited. And I remember listening to the lyrics of that and trying to figure out what he was talking about or whatever and kind of put my imagination through that. Oh, yeah, that's a great pastime. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, um, did you start making music around that time too? No. No, I wrote for a while. <laughs> Excuse me, I wrote for a while, and then um, in college, a lot of my friends were musicians, and a lot of times, musicians just want to play their instruments and don't really care about vocals, so around that time, um, I casually just picked up the mic and started singing and whatnot over my friend's music and stuff, and that's how I got into vocals. Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. I did yeah. that without for a while. Kind of just playing around in bedrooms and garages and stuff and 
I kind of developed my vocals through that. And eventually, um, a few years after that, formed bands. Oh, damn. Uh, what, what time period so, are you talking, Mike? Yeah, as you say, what, what year is this? Or years? I graduated, from <laughs> I graduated from high school in 1990. So um, the mid through the early to mid-90s, I was just kind of casually doing it with friends. And then I think it's somewhere in the mid to late 90s, I, I formed bands. What were, so, what were yeah. you listening to in, in college? Was there anything that really was blowing your mind? Uh, well, I joined and, the college radio station um, at UMass Dartmouth when I when I started college, and I got into all kind of music through that because they had a huge library full of records and CDs. So I listened to everything back then, and tried to tried to listen to as many different kinds of music as I could. Um, and I did a bunch of different kinds of radio shows from, I had a jazz show for a while and I used to do the world music show. And sometimes I do the hip hop show. And so I got exposed to like a lot of music through that college radio station, which was really a blessing for me. What's that? Is that radio station still around? No. <laughs> it actually was online for the past like five or six years. And then the radio, the college shut it down, I think, a few years ago. So it's no longer in operation. I think it exists online, but that's it. I see. Yeah. Well, it was very. Po it was a pretty popular okay. station. It was a pretty popular station when I was on there. I did it from like 1990 to like 94, 95. And we had quite a few listeners back then because there was the um, they couldn't listen to commercial. What's that? They couldn't listen to it on YouTube back then. Like people had. Yeah, to it was kind the of the only it was one of the only ways. It was one of the only ways to get into music back then when it was harder to um, find out about music. You could you could read fanzines and go to shows and stuff and word of mouth, but it was oh, actually shit. a popular station, because, popular station because um, they had the commercial alternative station in Providence, WBRU. And then I remember we were playing Bleach by Nirvana and um, and all kind of other stuff of that realm a lot in the like around 1990 when I started. And it was a it was a pretty pretty popular station back then, so it was fun. Yeah, so you could sort of control people. Well, not control. That's not the right word, but you, you could curate things and maybe leave an impression on like you you were discovering stuff but like you were also showing other people's stuff too yeah i listened to the station in high school and i would call up and that's how i learned about a lot of underground music just through that station and then i got to meet the people i was listening to become friends with them and 
I used to like to mix it up a lot and play a, different, a lot of different kinds of music through that station. So, yeah. Hey, who are some of the people? Yeah. Who are some of the people that you met? Um, there was this dear friend of mine who actually passed away a few years ago. Her name was Amy Dermont. Oh, and she was from the same town as I, I was. But I had never met her until I went to college. She was a few years older than me. And I remember she had like a really big record collection. I became pretty good friends with her and she turned me on to a lot of stuff. And then, but there were a bunch of people. We were, we were a pretty close knit group of people on the, as DJs on that station. So yeah, there were tons of people. That's cool. College radio. Yeah, it was a special thing back then because, like I said, it was hard to get into music without the internet. Um, so it was just a way to did you ever to hear stuff that you you would never heard before. Mike, did you play music using cassettes ever at the station? We never really used cassettes. Um, there was some, there was a thing called a cart, which was like an eight track sort of thing that had music on it that we would play the promos, but we also had music on there, but it was mostly records yeah, and I then see. CDs. CDs kind of kind of took over a couple of years after that. Well, mostly radio stations would send its records and then they started mostly sending CDs. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's all I remember really as a kid like i remember seeing cassettes but I, was, I had mostly cds stuff as a kid in the 90s we listened to cassettes in the 80s like yeah. that was when you'd buy a record usually buy an album usually would be a cassette in the 80s also that was like a fad i remember a friend wow. i remember i remember a neighbor of mine like ordering like um cassettes through like in the back of magazines you could send away for cassette and I remember <laughs> him ordering like old punk rock cassettes and death metal cassettes and stuff like through that mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome mostly cassettes in the 80s um, so were you, were you going out to, as you were on the college radio station, were you going out to local shows a lot during that time? Yeah, I started going, I got a car my senior year of high school and I started to go to a lot of shows then. And then I continued as it, when I was in college, it was fun because, um, you get on the guest list, we'd give away tickets. We'd host nights in Providence usually for shows and we'd host, shows a lot and then all the other shows you could spread on the guest list so I got into tons of shows for free through that nice. oh. I was going to a lot of shows in the early 90s in the late 80s that's awesome yep were these mostly at clubs and bars or were they like house <laughs> shows or yeah mostly or shows and clubs I used oh, to go yeah. to a place called Club Babyhead a lot alright where was that, that? That was in Providence. That was a pretty legendary club. Before oh, that, damn. in Providence, there was a place called the Living Room, which was oh, a yeah. bigger place. Yeah, I've heard of that. Oh yeah, my boss saw yeah, a there was one. band there. Yeah, there was a 
the living room was all throughout the 80s and then it opened up again in a different location in the 90s but it was wasn't the same but in the 80s that was the place to go see shows in 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 Providence I never really I go to Boston every once in a while but Providence was closer so that's where I saw most of my shows mm, makes sense yeah. yeah yeah totally did you go to any like house shows or any or like warehouse or underground shows like that um some but mostly in clubs but in the mid to late 90s there was a lot more the warehouse shows started to happen in providence right oh shit you were around for that fort thunder and fort thunder and stuff like that so yeah i was going to some of those shows but i started to yeah. slow down i started to slow down going to shows around 97 98 which was when it was really happening in Providence as far as warehouse shows was, was happening. Yeah. Right. Did you ever catch Lightning Bolt during that time? Yeah, I remember seeing Lightning Bolt when they first started. Oh, wow. Um, yep. Where was that? Um, Arab on Radar, Lightning Bolt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where did you see Lightning yeah. Bolt when they first started? I think it was at Fort Thunder. I saw him for the first okay. time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They said the, the, I guess they got they they enlarged this that kind of music scene in Providence. It wasn't as big as as they got it to be. I guess before that. Were there a lot of people going out to shows? When? During that period in, in Providence. Uh, in the late in the 90s. early nineties, I mean, um, it, it was it was still pretty sm- it was still pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, it was a healthy amount. It wasn't too small. It was a healthy amount. But like I said, I think in the in the late nineties is when bands like Lightning Bolt got a lot of people to go see them or whatever. Before yeah, that, sure. the the band in Providence I was into was like Glaze Baby and Six Finger Satellite. I used to mm-hmm. go see them guys tons. Right. So yeah. when Lightning when Lightning Bolt and Arab on Radar came out, I was a little bit resistant to it because a lot of people were into it that didn't seem to be in going to shows before that. But maybe it was just they were coming to age at that time, I guess. Oh, wow, shit! Yeah, so that's, that's that kind true. of thing that that happens all throughout history. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, it's funny because, like, for instance, Arab on radar was kind of like I didn't really like it at first when I saw it. It seemed like kind of a gimmick to me. Um, looking wow, back, yeah. I was just probably a little bit resistant towards it for for, for nonsense reasons. Yeah, isn't that funny being a being a youngster? Have I, I think we could probably relate to that as well, at least to some degree. Yeah, I think there's definitely there's de- I mean there's definitely stuff that I was kind of like blew off at first, or I just wasn't into it, and then later I I don't know I really later got into it. it happens to all of us, right? Um, Do you ever catch uh, this is uh called uh john dwyer any of his bands like pink and brown or 
Or is that, I don't know if he moved to San Francisco at that time or something. No, nope. Yeah, he may have already headed over to uh, Frisco by that time. But, yeah, well, what were some of the bands uh, that you were playing in? And what were some of the names of those bands? Um, The first band I was in that played out a lot was a band called Butterfly Genocide. And that was kind of like a heavy, it was all improvised. So I would improvise all the lyrics at each show. And it was kind of like heavy, oh, wow. psych, heavy psychedelic kind of improvised music. So that was when I really got into a lover performing through that band, just through improvising. We used to, there was a club in New Bedford that we all played at called the New Wave Cafe that was good to a lot of us because they gave us a place to play. And so that band went on for like three or four years. We never really played outside in Bedford, but we played to Bedford a lot. That's awesome. So, you know, we know uh, like band like Picnic Lunch and obviously and uh, uh, like Bailey's <laughs> band and stuff. We, um, did you know those guys during that time? Yeah, I was the good other, friends with Mike Ribeiro yeah. from Picnic Lunch. Right, fellow New Bedford band, yeah. We we we'd collaborate every once in a while, just playing around or whatever. But he was always a very creative guy, and I, I was I'm glad to see him in a steady band. He had a bunch of early recordings that he made by himself, or whatever, on four tracks that were really good. Oh wow! Under so his own, under good his name. Him. Yeah, he go under the name MR, which is his his initials. Right. But they're Great. really good early recordings of his. It's oh, good to see him in a, in a steady band, though. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely have to check that out. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. So, what what year was that with the uh, the butterfly genocide, or what years? These <laughs> I would I would say from like. 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Oh, wow. Around that okay. time, yep. After that, I, I, started, I started Mike Mountain in its first incarnation, probably around 2003, 2004, I would say. Oh, I can't boy. remember exactly. Well, you, you, I didn't realize you went back that far, Mike. I'm old. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize too that the Mike Mountain band or the Mike Mountain name just went, yeah, went far that back as well. Um, it was just yeah, a we, name I came up with. It was kind of short uh, for my last name, Montagano. So it was right. like I can Americanize my name. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Mike Mountain. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was catchy, so people started to call me that, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, actually, yeah, and I was going to say, Eric Bailey's, you know him back then, too, in the 90s as well? Yeah, I met him around 1990. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so, damn, that goes pretty, goes pretty far back. Uh, I think I you think play shows with Bailey? Oh. He's Born in forever, Eric. So yeah, he's still yeah, at yeah. it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
He'd be a good guy to have on the podcast, actually. Did you reach out to him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I'd love to talk to Eric. Um, yeah, we we saw uh, we saw him uh, his, or his, saw his band Bailey's band band playing yeah. October. Yeah, in New yeah. Bedford. Yeah, we we were on a we played a festival with his band. Yeah. One yeah, of the was, first incarnations of Bailey's band um, was he had a friend, a good friend of mine. His name was Dale Cunningham, who was the drummer in, in Glaze Baby, who was a pretty popular nationwide like noise rock band. And Eric had him on drums on an early recording of the Glaze of um, Bailey's band. That's just incredible. Um, not sure where you can listen to it. Maybe it's on YouTube, but mm. um, yeah, Eric's been doing it forever. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah, I read his book. Uh, we both read his book, uh, "The Heroines Rainbows." Yep, a rainbow, rather. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. He played one of our festivals too. Um, yeah, and you played you played uh, one of them too. Yeah, we we um, we, we got to get into that. Yeah. At some point. Well, I was actually going to ask before we get into that, we were talking about sort of like the 90s and all this stuff with CDs, cassettes, records. Um, you know, you know, we experienced that as kids more before, like, you know, with CDs and stuff, before the, the internet boom of like being able to download stuff or whatever, kind of that, just right at your disposal. Um, you know, obviously you've been around a lot more with like, physical copies and really having to like scavenger to get to music to really get into music like you were saying earlier um so having like a more of those two perspectives which do you prefer as like a music listener do you prefer the kind of like the hunt the search to get into to get to like the, the real good music or do you prefer more of the the immediacy of like the internet i don't know i'm glad i grew up when i did Mm, yeah. Um, it was just more of a thrill to find something that you're really into. Um, it was pretty, it just, it was, like I said, it would give you a thrill to find something and have it in your hands that you were into, but I wouldn't want to go back either. I, I wouldn't want to change things. I'm sure, glad the yeah. things are now today's, but the way it is today where you can listen to anything, it's, I don't think you. I don't think people listen as closely as they did in the past, just because you can. Like in the past, you'd listen to a whole album and you listen to it a lot. You play it out until you were sick of it. You start trying now to find so meanings. There's so many things to listen to nowadays that I find myself switching around too much, just because it's right in your phone, so you can just. You just press that button and you just click on to something else, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, like I said, I don't have as much of a perspective on, um, like, the first part of it as, uh, like, you know, just having, like, the physical options. But I do remember that, you know, growing up. But, you know, at the same time, I do like having all the different options. But I, I do find there's something lost there a little bit too. 
where it's like this just vast ocean of whatever's available on the internet. It's like good and bad. I don't know. I kind of like almost the idea of what you were saying earlier with the radio station, there being like almost a curation and like a set and more like center, uh, centralized, I guess, kind of thing. I don't know. It's good and bad. In high school, I listened to the college radio station or I'd, I used to have like read magazine, fanzine magazines or whatever. Right. And you'd, you'd find out about stuff through that. Like I'd read forced exposure maximum rock and roll and flip side and stuff like that so i found out a lot about the music through through those those sources those were yeah stocked how'd you hear the, about those yeah those zines? Those, yeah i'm i'm not sure i just kind of came across them in record stores or whatnot ah uh, yeah that makes sense yeah like in like records, records maybe stores. at a show too maybe not what's though. that I was gonna say maybe at a show, maybe at a show, but maybe not. Yeah, there was all little magazines people would staple together or whatever. But like for instance, forced exposure was really a good one because it was really exhaustive and it would um had a good perspective that turned me on to a lot of stuff. But I'd read Maximum Rock and Roll. Stuff like that too, for more punk rock. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Yeah. Bring it up a little bit further. When you started the Trap House, was that your first record store? Yeah. Yep. Wow. I started. I basically, I had a bunch of money saved, and. I met this kid who had this space, the original space of the trap house, and he wanted to rent it. And it was, I got into records basically as a ven, basically just as a vehicle to have a venue. I always dreamed about having a venue to put on shows, and I figure, I knew that records were getting valuable, and people wanted them, so I figured I'd try to find some and it gave me a way to put on shows in the, in the warehouse. So that's how I got into that. I was never really into record collecting per se. So I guess people into record collecting that listen to this are going to be like, Oh, we just got into it to sell mm. records, which is true. <laughs> you know what I mean? I never, really, <laughs> I, I never yeah. really collected records myself before I, before I started selling them. So I guess people that are purists or whatever will, We'll scoff at that, but I'm just being honest. That's how I did it. Like, yeah, it's totally. I, I, yeah, I don't consider myself to be a record collector either. I just like I have records, but I don't. I don't really. I wouldn't say I like. Yeah, I wouldn't really go. I'm not really of that ilk of the the record collector. That uh, the way I think that more the people, people get into records yeah. nowadays because they're valuable. I think that. Yeah. When I was growing up, they weren't valuable, so you, you wouldn't collect them. And I think tons of people just collect records because they have value now. Mm, that's a good point. They have value. They're worth money. Was the original location before the location that we know? Nope, that was the original location. Oh, I got you. Okay. Wait, so, you, so that was... When did that start, Mike? 
That was like five or six years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this is uh well we went there April twenty fifteen. Okay, yeah. It was two thousand April two thousand fifteen we went down to New Bedford and we went to the yeah, the trap post. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool, yeah. You that was, uh, that was the first time there. we met you. <laughs> yeah. time i met you i think i talked to you but i think that was the first time yeah. i don't know i might have met you before that i'm not sure it felt like it mike because i think we had some discourse on the phone right yeah that was the you know? first yeah. time uh, i met you in person yeah yeah it always felt like we knew you though yeah i know that feeling yeah that's a good feeling. It's a good, it's a nice, loving feeling. Yep. But yeah, damn. So, all right. Now, so we're getting into it. So that time, you did you record the the album that just came out at that time period? Yeah, it was around that time period. I was in that particular band. Um. We were together for a couple of years and we came up with those songs and recorded that. Yep. That was fun. It was fun being playing music with those guys. Yeah. What was that like? Cause the, the, I remember you talking about the, the, the recordings, I, I think maybe shortly after that, when you recorded them or whatever. And uh, even till this day, I remember you mentioned them being really polished sort of studio efforts and definitely shines through uh, really well done. Not to say that nothing else before that. I don't, I mean, I listened to your other stuff too and it sound sound just as good, but um, yeah. Congratulations on a great album, Mike. I appreciate that. The songs were very well rehearsed. So it was pretty easy once we went into the studio for that. Nice. So Mike Mountain was always the Mike. When I played as Mike Mountain, it was always pretty well rehearsed songs. They weren't just a lot of people with recording nowadays kind of record things offhand quickly or whatever. And but those songs are very well rehearsed. We had those songs down, so it wasn't hard once we went in the studio. Yeah. No, I I, right. I believe yeah, it. Man. It's great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what? This is the the album. I think uh, 2000 is from 2011 or something. But you could correct me. Uh, I love this with the acid at the funeral. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, that that was a song I did with both incarnations of Mike Mountain. So there's two couple of different versions of that song. There's a, there's a version on the first album, I believe, and then the version on the on the second on the second version too. So yeah, that was a fun song to do. Yeah, definitely. I see. So the I can tell you the backstory, but I don't know if I want to do that publicly. I can tell you at another time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's up to you, Mike. Fair enough embarrassing i don't i don't want to talk about it at this time on on the sure. air but yeah 
We get all it. All the but... songs are kind of pieced. The, the lyrics, all all those songs are little snippets and pieces of things that happen in the in my life. Oh, really? as oh, I love I it. I put in the lyrics, so yeah. It's kind of bizarre, though. You know, I like that one line. Um, cut my cut my feet on glass. <laughs> yeah, that's about about wading into the water where I grew up. I grew up near the water, so the, the when you wade into the, the water, the ocean. The ocean. So sometimes people be stupid and put in bottles, whatever. So sometimes it be glass, but I there's a certain way of walking in the ocean, so you don't cut your feet. There's a I, I used to cohog a lot as a kid, find cohogs and. You dig. I used to dig with my feet to find them, and so I had this way of walking in the in the muck to to avoid cutting your feet. Oh wow, that's awesome! I never really, I I kind of pictured, I always pictured you like walking into a classroom in like, you know, eighth grade, and just kind of cut it barefoot, and you just kind of cut your feet. But I I like. I like what it was about. Uh, sometimes the lyrics are stream of consciousness, so well, one line it won't be really related to the next line. It's just kind <laughs> yeah. of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And, I, know, I love the stream of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I always kind of wrote. I didn't really... I never really thought about... I never consciously tried to think about what I was trying to write. Mm. I'd always just let it, let it come out of my my unconscious mind and form into words, and so a lot of times I wouldn't really even know what I was writing about, and I wouldn't draw the connections of the to the lyrics to the meanings of the lyrics until a long time after the songs were done. Oh, totally. Oh, wow, Mike, that's pretty. Yeah. You're blowing my mind here, cause yeah, I, I I can I definitely have that kinship with you. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, what did you, Mike? What did you think when you first heard G Gordon Gritty? I always liked it. I liked the humor of it, and I liked <laughs> the fact that um, it was like the early punk rock idea where you didn't have to be a virtuoso at your instrument to, to be creative. So that's the part I liked about it. That's awesome. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded, it sounded very fresh and unique to my ears. Yeah. Likewise. Same. Yeah. I thought it was, um, I thought it was pretty unique too. I didn't. I didn't when you played it at the trap house, your costume reminded me <laughs> of G. Gordon Liddy. So that's how. Yeah. It's, um. Back in the early nineties, at my at my school, there was a big uh, speech where it was Timothy Leary and G. Gordon Liddy. And I remember G. Gordon Liddy was just kind of a character. And for some reason, when you went in the perform that night it just it, rem it had it reminded me of him for some reason i don't really know why but it just reminded me of, <laughs> of him i don't really know why yeah i have a question did you come up with 
the G Gordon Gritty name, or is that Glenn? I I all I remember is saying you remind me of G Gordon Liddy, and I think he he was looking to change his name, so he yeah. came up with G Gordon Gritty. Okay, all right. He yeah. was some flack. His other yeah. name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, your memory right. serves you correctly on that one, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you for yeah. You at least helped in in that change for sure. I remember you mentioning that, and I and I I think as Chris mentioned, he he said you know not about me, but he's he said the name before. Well, I guess now it's after. I don't know. Hey, who cares? Yeah, the G Gordon Liddy the that fascinates me the the. The Liddy Leary thing. So they were, they were doing some sort of like speech. It was like a, wasn't it like they were like ex-cons doing like a tour of uh, college campuses? Yeah, I don't know. Um, G. Gordon Liddy was part of the FBI, and then right, I think uh, Timothy Leary might have been part of the CIA as far as the early LSD experiment. So they had that connection. And they went on a tour together, a speaking tour. Yeah. I remember I I had parked in the front of the school in an illegal spot and after the show and I was sitting there smoking smoking some weed in my car. And this in this um limousine pulled up and and I and Timothy Leary walked right by my car as the smoke was pouring out of the window and looked back at me and smiled and gave me like a wink. It was a pretty cool moment. (laughs) Wow. As he got into his limo. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So wait, so we're on each other's side. I think it was pretty friendly, but they had some contention. I mean, G. Gordon, G. Gordon Liddy is pretty right-wing, and Timothy Leary, I imagine, was pretty left-wing. So, But it was mostly friendly. It wasn't like an argument or anything like that. I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, speaking of that, um, well, not really speaking of that, but we we always wanted to book Mike Mountain the band to play in in yeah. Boston, but I believe it never really came to fruition. But uh, it was really awesome that I, I forget. I know that you came up here a couple times at least. I mean, maybe on other times, but at least the ones that we booked. Uh, one of yep. them being at the the Midway. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. The yep. mid- yeah, the midway. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yep, that was fun. Yes. I used to like doing little solo things every once in a while. It gave me freedom to kind of do performance art and without the constraints of having to follow songs and stuff like that. So I did I did a bunch of those solo shows um, at different places. It was always fun because you- I could kind of make it up on the spot and I wouldn't have to worry – worry about the band getting mad at me when I changed all the lyrics and songs in the middle of a band 
show. I used, to, I used to be, I used to do that a lot. I used to like change the lyrics when we were having a show, and usually the band wouldn't be too keen on that, and they get mad at me. But it was yeah. fun doing solo things because I wouldn't have to worry about that. Had you done that kind of solo approach before that time period? Yeah, I used to do a lot of solo kind of like performance art. Um, at open mics and stuff like that in the 90s. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, that was always fun. I always enjoyed doing it. That was the part about music I liked the most. I always loved to perform. I, I used to love to play live. It was just exciting. So I'd always get a chance. I'd always do it. Yeah, thank you so much yeah. for, do, for doing that. a lot of playing live. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I Yeah, you then you the uh you played the Noise Fest the following year, October sixteenth, that we booked. That was fun too. That was at a house, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Do you remember anything about your sets? I remember at that at that noise fest I was in the middle of a pretty serious psychotic break which had been going on for a while. That's much, as much as I remember about that. Um, that's how I lost the trap house. I actually, I had been on probation before that uh, for something. And when I got off probation, I started smoking a lot of again and got off medicine. I had a psychotic break that lasted about six months. And that's how I lost everything. And I remember that show was in the middle of it. God damn. Yep. Yeah. I've had schizophrenia since like 1993. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 It's been, a, it's been a struggle, but at least a lot of people, when they get schizophrenia, they lose all their creative abilities. But luckily, luckily I've, I've always tried to stay creative. And like somewhat functional through all that time. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm lucky, I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have kind of a normal life, living with schizophrenia, which is pretty unusual. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad to hear that you're you're still creative and that you're you're still doing you know what you're doing. We, we learn, you know, we nowadays, but I'm very, I'm very stable now. I have a child and I'm married, right? I have a new house, so everything's That's as awesome. good as it's ever been. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy yeah, to hear that. Awesome, Mike. That's awesome, Mike. I'm on a wonderful medication. I just take a shot every three months, and I don't have to worry about going on and off the pills and everything, which is, which is not what you want to do. If anyone's totally. out there doing that, that's has a mental illness that. Don't just if you find a medication that works for you, you like just stay on it. Don't don't try to go on and off the pills because it's dangerous. That's my uh, your take. My message for the for the night. <laughs> message for the for the kids. Yeah, for anyone. Adults. Absolutely. Yeah, for anyone. No, I know. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um. Yeah, how's your family doing? How's, they're wonderful. Get... 
It's good. My That's wife's awesome. been working. She's been working from home for a while since the COVID thing. Right. So that's, that's kind of different, but um, Zelly's a trip. I have fun with Zella, so she's she's gonna be three next month. And oh wow, she's, oh, awesome. she's growing up quick. Yeah, it's the best time of my life. Um, man, I'm so so happy to hear that, dude. Yeah, yeah. So I love, love having like... a kid. I love having a kid. I love her so much. Oh, that's. I'm sure you're an amazing father, Mike. I try. Absolutely. So are you teaching her the uh, the the are you showing her the music and stuff like that? Yeah, she really likes um Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion WAP. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was she, kidding. <laughs> she's she's not deep into like uh no, we don't we don't try to censor we, we don't try to censor too much. Thomas People Jefferson environments. No, I'm kidding. People are gonna get mad when they say that it's funny. She, she like no nah, no nah, play the swell maps or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe I don't, get it, I don't get too deep with her. Usually it's mostly she likes the songs, the um the dance songs, like with the the dance routines and stuff like that, like um, right. Um, what are the songs? I'm having a blank right now. Um, I'll remember it in a second. But yeah, like the the hip hop songs that have the dance routines to them. We went every year. She has a family reunion, and she gets right up on the dance floor and and, and does it. She's a trip. It's awesome. She's not shy. That's great, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. But as I she know. get as as she get older, I'll I'll introduce her to different kinds of music. You know what I mean? She, yeah. She listens. We we played her my album and. Oh, you did. One time. <laughs> yeah, and then one time she grabbed my phone and she found the album on YouTube and she's like, "Papa, Papa," and she knew <laughs> it was me. So yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> she found Mike Mountain. I don't know how she found it, but she found it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that technology just wild? I don't know. Just I, I didn't. I don't know. Yeah, the phone. <laughs> People are gonna think I'm a bad parent, but she's on her tablet all day. <laughs> she's playing games her. on it. So. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. She plays games on it and, and YouTube sometimes, but um, yeah, we, we try to limit it, but she's going pretty attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to think of a bad parent. All right, I, I, I let Glenn use YouTube all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but but you know what? Under bat, he he started he he ended up making music. So you know, yeah, gotta gotta be careful. But you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so uh, Mike, That's right? Yep. Uh, what's the? I know you told me a while back, but 
What was the situation with you and Steve Malkmus? You know, it's funny you said that. I was going to mention pavement. <laughs> but go on. Yeah. Um, you saw them at an arena? I, was all, I don't know. I went to those early shows, so I saw them at small clubs and stuff, and we said hello and stuff, but I don't know. It was much more than that. It was pretty weird. We, 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 um, I saw the reunion show at Agonis Arena, Boston University, and I was way up in the balcony, and and Bob, the drummer, second drummer guy, he goes, and this goes out to our fan up in section two sixteen, and that's where I was. Yeah, oh, damn! Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, with schizophrenia, I always write in the lyrics and stuff and thought lyrics were about me, but that's just schizophrenia. I can distinguish that now. <laughs> but I used to read into a lot of lyrics, and and, and uh, I guess that's a story for another day, but that's a pretty mm. pretty deep subject. You um, With schizophrenia, you relate things that have nothing to do with you and you and you relate them to your life and you involve them in your life and um yeah when mm -hmm. I first got schizophrenia I thought the television was watching me I thought it was like a two-way device so I used to I used to communicate with the television for a long time um talk to it and stuff because I thought they were watching me and um yeah mm -hmm. i remember one time i uh i was given like a sermon and i was because i was into the bible at the time and I, I was quoting a particular passage in the bible and uh and then like a couple hours later um MTV News came on. It was like three in the morning, and it was Kurt Cobain, and they were interviewing him. I don't know if it was live or whatever, and he was quoting the same passage I had just talked about on my sermon on MTV News. So yeah, weird things like that. That kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm lucky that I can talk about it now with humor because you mostly it ruins people's lives. So. It's only half ruined mine, so yeah. Thank God for the medication. Yep. Awesome. I know I'm on a great medication now, so the best one, no side effects or nothing. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that is. It costs the is. government six thousand dollars every three months. That's the tab. That's how much. The, that's how much the medication costs. One dose is six thousand dollars. So that's where your tax money is going towards. Keeping you well. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll happily do that. But yeah, thank you. Because you're you're an incredible you're an incredible person, Mike, and an incredible mind. Just the amount of times that we've had conversations over the years, always been always been a. Uh, uh, you were like a mentor. Thanks. I appreciate that, Glenn. 
I should probably try to write down some of my stories in my old age. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe write a book or something like that. I've written longer things in the past, kind of, but nothing that I really kept. But I probably should should try to put down some kind of coherent statement that that will put everything together for it for my life. But we'll see. Yeah, I'm rooting for you. Oh yeah, man. But yeah, schizophrenia is a crazy thing, guys. When you're on the medication, what happened last time I got sick was I was on the medication and then um, I stopped, like you stop taking the pills for a few days and you get manic and you start to feel really creative. And so that kind of dares you into, into stop taking it. And so, cause you feel so good for a little while after stop taking it, that's when you totally get off it, and then things go downhill after that. My disease is accompanied by mania. Usually it begins with mania, and then it descends into, into being psychotic. Mm-hmm. Like last, last time, I don't know if you want to get into it for a bit, but last time um, I thought John F. Kennedy was still alive. And I thought that he had faked his death with the Boston Mafia and that they had kind of formed, the Mafia had grown out like through the presidency and that he had faked his death and that he was still like running the Boston Mafia with Whitey Whitey. Bulger. Yeah, I Uh. thought they were doing it together. And I thought I was somehow related to all of it. Yeah, it was crazy. I'm, I think I remember you. I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. I can talk about it with, with detachment nowadays because it got bad for a while. Mm-hmm. No, I, I do remember at the, the Noise Fest, I believe you had mentioned that. No, I think it was the Midway. Or sure. the Midway, rather. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Whitey, I think. Yeah. He's always been a fixture in my schizophrenia for some reason. I don't know why. Just a, a local figure, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. The, uh, yeah, that's all good. Yeah. Sorry to um, get into that. No, no. no, no, no it might be interesting to some people. I, I yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's, it's in, invaluable to hear... And to hear that, um, not only from uh, you know a friend, but also from from a local musician, and s- sort of someone that at least compared to you, to Chris and I, and sort of just the stuff that we do on that kind of underground level, you know, you, you can connect with us on that level, you know, as opposed to like a superstar or someone that might be more uh outspoken in the public realm if that makes any sense mike yeah i think so which is friends you know right exactly yeah hopefully hopefully you'll be able to start having shows again if you do i'd like to do some solo stuff for you oh yeah boy. totally 
Well, tell us now. You're living in Western what... Mass. Central Mass. Central Mass. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. where are you living now? It's the town called Templeton, which is right next to Gardner. Okay. Like 20 minutes from Fitchburg. Oh wow! Okay. West of Fitchburg. Yeah. Oh damn. It was just cheaper out here. We couldn't afford a house where I was at before, and for some reason it's cheap out here. So we found a nice little house for ourselves. Oh, nice. Yeah, you yeah. like it out there? I do. It's quiet. It's nice. I'm sitting on my front porch right now. It's quiet. That's awesome. Yep. Got a nice yard and everything. Hey, good for you. You still man. making music? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's a couple right. guys in town that there's a couple guys in town that I know I went to their practice a few weeks ago and we talked about maybe me doing a song for them so who knows okay cool you have to let us know yeah but we'll, yeah, definitely. We'll, you, we'll definitely yeah. get you for some you know would you be would you be open to any any sort of distance outdoors gigs Oh yeah, I'll do anything. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Can can you have outdoor shows? Like, is that allowed or? I don't know what the deal is actually. I don't know like what the deal is exactly, but I think there's been some just like people have just done them. Yeah. You know, but even that, I've really heard too much, but I've heard of a few. Yeah. I found a good spot for you, yeah. Mike. There's a great spot. I, I won't give the exact location away because that could compromise its integrity. But there's yeah. a, a wonderful spot yeah. where Chris knows what I'm talking about, and it's uh, sort of yeah. it sort of has uh, views of the skyline, and it's a little bit yeah. and it's a little bit out of the. Uh, it's up on a hill. I'll, I'll say that, but it's it's a little bit out of the realm of uh, civilization. And yeah, cer certainly, I feel like at least something that you're doing, uh, like almost would be perfect for it. Yeah, if, if yeah. it's the same thing I'm thinking of, I think it would have to be something that's yeah, like a acoustic or spoken word kind of or whatever, something that's not electric. It's the same thing I'm thinking of. Yeah, the solo stuff is always kind of just like performance art. So right, it's right. always yeah. So that's why you can literally do anything almost. Yeah. Yep. We could have you on an airplane. I remember one show I did at the firehouse. In, in uh, Worcester? With, um, or yeah. Providence? Oh, okay. In Worcester, yeah. In Worcester. And uh, it was a show with Frank Hurricane, who's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I... Uh, what I did was there was a basket, there's a basketball hoop inside there, and I I put one one chair on top of another chair, and I climbed up on the second chair and I fell, in the 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 chair went through my armpit and caused a huge gash in my armpit and I'm bleeding. Oh shit! And um, but I was drunk, so I didn't really feel it. But I was still on probation and I'm not supposed to be drinking. So I didn't want to go to the hospital. So I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I'm 
I'm okay. And they're like, no, you're not okay. So I um, ended up going to the hospital, but yeah. It's, God damn. It's, it's always good when blood's involved in a show. <laughs> yeah. It makes <laughs> like, for a memorable show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was another. There was another show as Mike Mountain at the Funky Jungle in Providence. Which oh is yeah, venue. right, right. And, um, basically, what happened was there was a couple bands, and we went on to perform. And this this girl who was in the singer of another band, I think she wanted to perform and at our spot, but they let us go on. And so, I don't know what I was saying, but she accused me of being like sexist or making sexist jokes that she had overheard. And I took offense to it. So, cause she got right up on the mic and like interrupted our performance and was accusing me of all this hard stuff. And so I, 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 I opened a can, a bear can. I like ripped it open and I started slashing my face. Oh, and shit. there was just like blood everywhere. And I, slashes all throughout my face that was another memorable performance <laughs> yeah that sounds like yeah <laughs> i think i would remember it if i was yeah if i was there but yeah i never made it out to the funky jungle though but that I was always, a cool uh, place that's what i hear yeah, um, it was a cool place. Mm-hmm. yeah no i never made it out there but i saw i've seen videos though but yeah yeah damn yeah, yeah. Some pretty, some pretty wild shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What was yeah? Let's say, as far as shows go, yeah, we'll let you know. It's hard to say, man. What What do you? When do you think? I don't know if you've been keeping up with like, you know, COVID or whatever. Um, but what do you? When do you think shows will return to like people going out to venues and stuff? And like, jeez, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard I have to no say. Idea. It is hard to say. You really don't know. I don't know. Um, like maybe outdoor shows would happen before. Yeah, shows would. That's true. Yeah, I would I really imagine. Go indoors. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's that's the next thing. It's the next best best thing until. Um, let's figure before they figure it then out. Again, summer's ending, so it's gonna get cold. So I don't know. That's true. Just put. I guess we could just, you know, you whatever. like the winter, Mike? Yeah, <laughs> brave the cold. But yeah, I don't mind the winter. I'm glad. I'm glad I have four seasons. Ah, uh, yeah. I like my seasons. Have you always lived here? Yep. So you're Massachusetts through and through. Yeah. I lived in New York City for a couple months. Oh, wow. Damn. When was that? Um, 2000. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I couldn't hang there. I moved home. Yeah. It too, it's too big for me. Same. Same. It's way too big. Yeah, I like visiting it, but I don't. I couldn't live there. I don't think. No. Way too much stuff. Way too much yep. stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. I get lost. 
Yeah, yeah. I know. I remember I was working. I was working at a place. I was working at a place there, and my lunch break, and I, I wandered off and to, to get something to eat, and I have a terrible sense of direction, and I and I get kind of lost, and I was like, "Where is so and so?" And they're like, "It's right there." (laughs) (laughs) I I I don't have much common sense, so I get lost easy. Yeah, I'm the same way. I yeah, I've never been good with directions. Yeah, I don't understand how people even remember stuff as much. But it's funny, like I, I'm, I'm, and I get a pretty good memory. But they'd be like, "So you go down this thing and this thing, and go down here," and then they're like, "Oh yeah, all right," and they just remember all that. I'm like, "What the fuck?" Right? How do you remember all that? I know. You know. Thank God for GPS. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad there's that and whatever. Yeah. On your, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that technology. I mean, yeah. I like. I like the idea of being able to be like the self-reliant of the technology, but I just can't, I couldn't do it anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I'm embracing that technology because ultimately it's like useful, you know? Yep. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Hey Mike. Yeah. What's your favorite song? My favorite song? Jeez, I don't know. Um, it's a tough one. Yeah. It's okay. I don't know if I have a favorite song. I don't know. I remember yeah. being pretty upset when Kurt Cobain died. That was the only like celebrity death I really got affected by. It's easy to slag on him in hindsight, but when it was happening, he was a pretty cool guy. I feel bad that he that he had to go out like that. Yeah, but, um, definitely. I remember being pretty attached to those videos and stuff like that, like when when it was out. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you said the last rock and roll band, really, probably of all time. Yeah, really to make an effect. No, yeah, that's, that's true. In my opinion. And you you knew them uh during Bleach too before before they exploded or never mind, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny cuz people like Bleach, but when it yep. was out, it really wasn't it wasn't there wasn't much effect to bleach like the big right. band back then at the time was mud honey and um mud honey was a lot bigger than nirvana at the time and then we heard nirvana got signed to all this money and we were like laughing like oh that's ridiculous you know yeah and then um actually saw nirvana at, at club babyhead that club i was telling you about so right. it was fun seeing them at it it was like a couple of weeks after uh nevermind got on the charts so oh, it was wow. really it was a really it was cool because you could tell they they were just getting famous at the time so it must have been a pretty special time for them if, and if they, they were, were just perfect if they were still playing where do you think they would play huh where do you think Nirvana would play 
if they were still around today. If they were still a band? I, I think they probably would have broken up, and I think Kurt would have went on to do solo stuff. That's what I think would have happened. Yeah, yeah, they'd be that's... playing in their bedrooms. <laughs> I think they'd still be popular. I think he'd still be popular, but I think he'd be doing like different solo type things. Well, yeah, it's Who crazy. To, it's crazy to think that when when Pavement reunited, they played the Aganis Arena. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if there's a stadium large enough that could fit the people that would want to go see Nirvana original lineup. I know. I know. They could probably play a stadium. Oh yeah. They could probably play like, you'd probably have to like put them on like a little Island in the Atlantic ocean. And then like, yeah. you know, everyone goes up on a boat. Yeah. Just an idea. I know. But uh, yeah. Well, Mike, on the um, did did you ever mess around much with instruments, or were you make primarily vocal? I'd make noise on instruments, but I never knew how to play any of them. It was always just vocals. I appreciate I'd, that. I I. I play around yeah. on key, I play around on keyboards and stuff like that, but I never really knew what I was doing. Hmm. I, like, can't yeah, any, I can't play any instruments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, it sounds like though you, but you just based on the music you made though, you have like you found some way to, you know, figure it out like songwriting. And you have a musicality that, you know, you're you're with the, the recordings. You kind of you found a, a way to. Like, that's a good um, question you're still, you're still like in time with with the yeah, it's funny you know, i don't know i don't, you know, I don't I mean, know how that happens <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> because how that it, happens because it were you know in the with the records with the rest you're in with like time and everything with the bands and just it's all like uh you know it all for lack of a better word like flows together yeah um, it's, it seems like i can sing in key but i don't even really know what in key means so <laughs> You're an inspiration to me. I have no make. idea how yeah. that happens. Do you kind of? Like, yeah, it's right. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you could spend. It, it's actually interesting because, uh, you know, it, you know, not to get too nerdy or too geeky, but I'm kind of curious from a songwriting perspective. And then when you, when the whole band sort of, are they just kind of jamming on shit? And then you, you're, you know, or are you sort of like this secret dude who's like. Uh, I don't know, somehow channeling the actual chords and shit. Like, yeah, you, I'm not sure. You... Sometimes I'd come up with a lyric and it would come beforehand, before the music, and sometimes it would come after the music. So I don't know. I'm not sure how it happens. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's inspirational too. Well, funny. Like, yeah. Funny. Yeah, for Chris. Right, Chris? Yeah, I don't play any instruments. I just sing. I mean, I'll yeah. mess around stuff too, but I don't. I don't know how to play anything. Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> just I don't know. Yeah, just I like I like like kind of like you said, Mike too. I just like performing. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mike, are you around? Yeah, that's what I enjoyed the most. Quick one to to just wrap things up. I think it's going to shut us off. Oh, okay. Okay. Just that sounds cool to you. What's up? I'll send you. It's going to cut us off in like uh, five seconds. I'll I'll spit okay. to you. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. All cool. right.